0: Please join me in taking out your Bibles once again and turning to Luke chapter 8. Let's ask for God's help. Father, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. So would you be pleased to feed your people? May your word and spirit um, have their way with us. Today and always, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think some of you may be familiar with this children's Bible song. You may have sung it. You've probably heard it sung. You may have even acted it out a little bit. Oh, be careful, little eyes. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. But I missed one, didn't I? What one did I miss? Verse 2. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. But in our passage today, it's not what we hear, but how we hear. It's not what you hear that's the center of gravity. It's how you hear. Now, what you hear is important, to be sure, but it's not as important as how you hear. The song you see that Jesus is singing that Luke has arranged and put here for us is this. And we can see it at the end of verse 8 of our chapter. As he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Notice, he would call out as he said these things. So you could almost hear Jesus saying a lot during that parable. He who has ears, hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear, let him hear. And in today's passage, we're going to hear another verse of that song from verse 18. Take care then how you hear, or maybe as some translations put it, consider carefully how you listen. Luke 8, 16 through 21 that we're going to be looking at for the next few minutes is really a commentary on verses 4 through 15, in particular verse 15. We've got to think back to last week, the heart of hearing, the parable of the sower or the soils. Remember, we looked at the parable told, the parable explained, and the parable put into practice. And remember where that seed fell, that seed that was, as it were, indiscriminately scattered. That farmer in the ancient Near East, in Palestine of that day, he was not foolish. He was typical. He scattered seed on the ground, and some of that seed right went along the path, some on the rock, some among thorns, but some into good soil. And then Jesus' explanation of that parable, when his disciples came to him and said, "What does this mean?" He, he said, he, he talked about a, a, a hard heart, a, a shallow heart, a distracted or a crowded heart. And then finally, a receptive heart. Look back with me at verses four through um, kind of, um, or the explanation. um, Verses 11 uh, through 15. Notice that every, in every place, there's hearing. All four types of soil hear. Hear. But only one was evaluated as good soil that, that heard it, as it were, in its fullness. Why? Because the seed in that fourth soil fell. It landed in the soil that could promote growth that had been or would be plowed. Um, didn't talk about this last week, but we're going to talk about it now. Uh, there's a bit of debate. Uh, not a lot of... Um, farming um, documentaries uh, that we can go and watch about did they scatter seed and then plow or did they plow and scatter seed most commentators think they scattered seed then they plowed it's not what we do in America is it whether it's the big commercial farm or your backyard you plow right then you plant seed But there's probably a good likelihood that the seed was scattered and then plowed. The soil, as it were, rightly understood and used the seed. Look at verse 15 again. As for that in the good soil, the seed that landed in the good soil, the soil that was either plowed ahead of time or most likely plowed after the seed landed on top, those they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. We mentioned last week that the good soil is conservative. It holds it fast. The good soil is progressive. It bears fruit with patience, with perseverance. You see, it is possible, Jesus is saying, to hear with a hard heart, a shallow heart, a distracted heart. But it's also possible to hear with a receptive heart. This parable is a a caution. It wants us to examine ourselves, to ask us, not with morbid self-introspection, but just good questions, "What, what am I? I think most of us would want to think immediately that we are good soil. But it's worth asking the questions about how the word is at work or not at work in your life. But it's not just a caution. It's an encouragement, right? Remember, what's emphasized is that good soil produces a hundredfold crop. It's an abundance. Yes, there was failure for the first three, but there is great success and abundance for the fourth. Again, we're going to see this idea that if you've got ears, then hear, and hear well. So consider how you hear. Back in April of 2022, um, I was alerted to a podcast. The classmate of mine from college had recorded an interview, and I listened to it, and it was good then. I mean, I, I remember most of it from April of... 2022 18 months ago but I listened to it again last week and I'm telling you I heard it with different ears I I heard it differently I heard things that I hadn't heard before I understood I, I was listening with eagerness and with expectation because of present circumstances Before I listened, I planned to put what I heard into practice. So let's give attention now to the reading and to the hearing of the word of God. Join with me as I read verses 16 through 21. Jesus is speaking. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. By putting this teaching of Jesus immediately after the parable of the sower or the soils, Luke is showing his reader then and now that giving attention to the Word of God involves first listening in order to understand, and then secondly, listening in order to apply. Or put simply, hearing to know and to do. Let's look first at giving attention to the Word of God that involves listening in order to understand, listening in order to know. Jesus, through Luke here, is teaching us more of what we are to know about the Word. He's continuing to help Theophilus, his first reader, and all of us to have certainty about Jesus, to to know for sure that Jesus is for real. Now, this statement Jesus makes about a lamp is more proverbial than, uh, than it's more of a proverb than a parable. It's, it's kind of a statement, a statement of wisdom. And, and, and we're gonna hear when Jesus says what he says about this lamp, we're gonna have to think about Knowing what the lamp is and what the lamp does. The lamp here is a picture of the public teaching of Jesus. Remember, in chapter 4 we read that Jesus was preaching and teaching the the good news of the kingdom of God. Look at the beginning of chapter 8. Proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. This, This lamp. Is a, is a picture of the public teaching of Jesus. And the lamp is the word of God, specifically the word about the kingdom. Now, it's important sometimes when you're reading through to ask yourself, well, if that's what it means, what, it, what does it not mean? Well, it's not about you. It's not about you letting your light shine in, in Mark Or excuse me, in Matthew, we're going to read something similar where we hear, let your light shine before men. But that's not what's going on here. That's not Luke's purpose. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about his word. And what do you do with a lamp? I mean, look at this. It's kind of Jesus and humor, right? Could you imagine lighting a lamp and then immediately covering it with a jar, lighting a lamp? or putting it under a bed, I mean, you might end up with a bigger flame than you intended right at first. But it's it's sort of absurd, isn't it? That's not what you do with a lamp. Sometimes I, and I would guess you, we, we make things harder than they have to be, right? Some things are pretty plain and simple, right? Jesus is saying, what do you do with a lamp? You put it on a stand. Why? A couple of things. One is the word as a lamp or as light, it, it, um, it enlightens. It enlightens, right? The purpose of a lamp is not to conceal the light, but to illuminate the room so that people that walk into the room can see. Last time I checked, the light switch was where? Where? Beside the door, right? You enter the room and you turn on the light. Could you imagine? And there are some rooms, unfortunately, that like, what was the electrician thinking, right? You got to walk through a dark room to get to the light switch? No, it is the word as a lamp, as a light enlightens, right? A lamp to my feet, a light to my path as the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, If you think back to Zechariah's song, he's talking about his son, John the Baptist, and his son being the forerunner of Jesus. And we read in chapter 1, verse 79, that Jesus would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Jesus' teaching, Jesus himself is light, and it's given in public And Jesus is saying it's going to illumine your way to God. So the word of God is a lamp or is a light enlightens, but it also exposes. Look at verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So the lamp not only enlightens, but the lamp exposes Jesus, in his teaching about the kingdom of God, it reveals hidden things and it exposes secrets. And it could be this idea that the mystery of the kingdom is being revealed, but it's also the idea that uh, you can't escape the searchlight of the word. Remember in Hebrews chapter four, the word being described as a double edged sword, right? That can really go down to the heart, and that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed. It's the word of light. It's light, God's truth. Jesus is preaching publicly, and it's the function of light, the function of truth to illumine and to expose reality, not just expose, as it were, the sin but to expose the way things really are. Think about this. You go into the dark room, right? You've never been in there before. You turn on the light and now you see the room, not as you imagined it, not as you wanted it to be, you know, clean and picked up, but the way it really is. That's what light does. It enlightens, it exposes. And then at the end of verse 18, after Jesus has this statement to take care how you hear, he says, for to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. The word, in other words, must be used, must be put to use or the word will be lost. Use it or lose it, right? And look at the parable of the soils. The first three didn't use the seed and they lost it. They lost the potential. They lost whatever could come, but not the third, fourth soil, the good soil. It had been given, the seed had been given. There had been growth and more growth and more growth. Turn back with me to chapter 6 and look at verses 46 through 49. It's a section where in Jesus' teaching, he's saying, build your house on the rock, not on the sand. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them puts it to use. I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. I said sand. That's in some other gospels here. It's no foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin Of that house was great. That house was lost. We lost the house in the storm. And that statement that Jesus makes about who has, more will be given. And who has not, more will be taken away. Even if you think you've got it, think of the soils. Think of the soil that's... The seed went along the path or into the rock or, excuse me, on the rock or among the thorns. It's lost. The word must be put to use or the word will be lost. So we, we listen in order to understand. We, we want to know. But that's not all. You see, Jesus wants his hearer to know about the word The work of the word, the purpose of the word, but he wants also that word to be applied, to be put into practice, to do. So giving attention to the word of God means not just listening in order to understand, but listening in order to apply. And the image is going to move from a farmer sowing seed to a family standing outside. Now preachers are rightly told do not use your family for illustrations. I mean think about it, right? Whether good examples or bad examples. There's enough good illustrations out there. Don't humiliate your family. Don't puff them up with proud, pride or or knock them down with embarrassment. But what does Jesus do? He hears that his family has arrived, and he uses them to illustrate a truth that he's been talking about. And and what Jesus is not saying when he says, they're not my family, the people that are my family, my brothers, my mother, they're the ones that do the word of God. He's not putting his family down. It's not a repudiation of family. Remember, Jesus is faithful to the fifth commandment, honoring his mother till the end. There's no one who has taken care of his family, respected his family, honored his family like Jesus. He doesn't repudiate his family, but he rather is going to use them to endorse and to exhort his listener. So what he's saying is he's defining the family. It's not a matter of physical descent, but by relationship to God. Look earlier in chapter eight, there's Mary, there's Joanna, and there's Susanna, right? Diverse, different women um, one had demons cast out over the others, was the wife of a public or a, a, an official in Herod's, um, um, his chief of staff, as it were. And we don't know anything about um, Susanna. They, they're brought together, right? They're united by believing the message and, as it were, doing the message And speaking of who got the message. Who wrote James? Jesus' half-brother, James. The one who's probably there on the outside. He gets it. And we heard it read earlier, right? It'd be crazy to look into the mirror, look at what you look like, and step away and immediately forget What you look like, right? It's crazy to hear the word, to listen to the word, and then step away from that and not do what the word is calling you to do. Jesus quotes Isaiah when Isaiah the prophet said, These people draw near with mouth and honor me with lips, but hearts are far away. So the heart, as it were, controls the hand. And even though the lips were moving, they were just words. There was nothing behind them. There would be nothing after them. Jesus is using his family to illustrate something. That a family that's defined by relationship to him is a family is a relationship of intimacy and love. Remember that we love God and we love one another because he first loved us. A family, a human family, should be a place of intimacy and love. Sadly, it's not. Sadly, there are distortions of the family. You have family idolatry where the family is, is, is lifted up to be something more than it should be. A family is good, but it's not ultimate, Jesus has said. And that yet there's also today family disdain. An individualistic culture, a selfish culture, not together for the good of one another. And Jesus is talking about the family that he brings together. People that believe in him and that they do what he commands. People that love him because they know he first loved them. Remember John, John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. A few verses later, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Just like James got it. John the Apostle got it also. Listen to how he begins his fifth chapter of his first letter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Jesus is talking about the relationship of belief. And obedience. The possession Of a belief, the profession of a belief, and the practice of a belief. It was sometime in the mid-90s, I was at a conference, probably dozing off to sleep. And the speaker said, what you believe is what you do, everything else is just religious talk. I woke up. He might have even said it again, what you believe is what you do. Everything else is just religious talk. I heard it back then, back in the mid-80s. I was taken aback when I heard it. I'm still remembering it. It would seem like Jesus, along with his brother James, along with the Apostle John, along with the Apostle Paul, would agree. Giving attention to the word of God involves listening to understand, to believe, and listening to apply, to put into practice. Listening, hearing in order to know and to do. But we've got to make a few additional comments. Look at how it ends. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. I think probably the Nike advertising executive years ago was reading this and said, "I've got it. Just do it." Right? Just do it. Now, remember the poster that John the Baptist doesn't have on his dungeon wall? He doesn't have "God said it, I believe it, that settles it," right? So and there's another bad idea for a bumper sticker. God said it, I just do it. Got it, my friends. We are not robots. Nike's very successful advertising slogan is not the kind of of poster we want on our walls. Just do it. Think about the word just. Just do it. Are you kidding me? Just do this. Just do that. No wonder so many people think the Christian life is crushing. Just do this. Just do that. Just do it. That's not what Jesus is saying you see Christians are people who hear with their heart and because they hear with their heart they do with their hands recall the heart is the command center it's the governing center of a person the heart tells the hands what to do what's the leading cause of death in the United States Anybody know Come on uh, Wait I heard it Yes, even through COVID, as COVID a few years ago went up to like number three or even number two at times, heart disease was the leading cause of death in the U.S. And there's many fixes, right? I mean, St. Elizabeth has got a new heart center. A lot of fixes, including transplant. Well, what's the leading cause of spiritual death in the world? Guess what? It's also heart disease, the heart disease of sin. And there's only one cure. There's no angioplasty. There's no stents. There's no uh, valve replacement. There's no exercise. There's no eating right. It's all transplant. It's all new heart. Remember from last week? Ezekiel 18 make yourselves a new heart Ezekiel 36 I will give you a new heart Well after that we read in Ezekiel 36:27 I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances Let's go back to where we began Oh, be careful, little eyes. Remember verse two. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. You know, there's a good line in that song with every part of your body, and it says, For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful. Now, that's a good line because of in love, but my friends, the reality is much, much better. Why? How? Because the Son has come down. A word of God incarnate, as we just sang. He has come down. He's lived a perfect life of obedience. He's died for the sinful life that we do live. He's been raised all because of love. And he's now here with us by his Holy Spirit who loves us and enables us to obey The Spirit provides not only the motivation for obedience, but the means of obedience. So indeed, take care how you hear. Take care how you hear what Jesus has proclaimed and preached and what the Holy Spirit continues to declare. The good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. My friends, if you've got ears then hear and if you're hearing how are you hearing are you hearing with a heart that's beating with repentance and faith are you listening how's your hearing my friends once again the heart of hearing the word of god is the heart let's pray Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. We we act. Help what we do to be more and more conformed to those things that bring you glory and do your people good. Father, would you... Unstop our deaf ears, would you give us hearts that hear, hearts that hear the good news of the gospel, hearts that hear that you are with us to the end of the age, hearts that hear that through faith Christ is ours forevermore. Father, be pleased to conform your people more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, for we pray in his name. Amen.